One Week Season. Welcome to the Assessing Your Process pod. I'm your host, Efritz12, here at One Week Season. I'm excited to talk about today, and excited in the weirdest of ways, I feel like, because uh, I had a poor week, which has been par for the course for me, unfortunately, this season. Um, I've been talking about that a little bit recently, but I'm going to talk about that even more because... I've been having some people reach out to me to ask uh, kind of when you know you're or or when you know you're you're not doing well and like what to do with that and how to change process. So we're going to jump into that a little bit today, Um, but also just interested to touch on some of these high level things that I pulled out of this week. If you guys have been hanging out with me in the past couple weeks, you'll know that I've been focusing a little bit on early slate, but switched it up this week. I wanted to be able to go over a main slate roster with you guys. So while I didn't put a ton of um, into play on the main slate, I did do a lineup so that I could review that here. Um, I've kind of been putting my play all over slates currently because as we'll again get into with what to do when your process uh is is failing you from an outcome perspective uh what do we do with that playing multiple slates is one of the things that i've been doing so thanks for hanging out for those of you who are in discord if you are listening to the recording or outside of one week season as this is a public podcast welcome and thanks for joining me one of my specialties is self-coaching. That's really kind of why they have me here at One Week Season and why I'm doing this is really just to be uh, engaged with you guys and talking process. How do we become better DFS players? I am not the best DFS player, clearly, um, and I don't claim to be, but I don't need to be in order to provide you guys value. And that's the part that's fun for me is it's also painful at times uh, to go through this and really just be very transparent about what things look like for me. And then uh, for those of us that are hanging out in discord here to at the end kind of uh, discuss a little bit, talk about any anything I mentioned or even uh, about your own process and things of that nature. So let us I'm going to start here today with a few kind of high level statements and takeaways. So I have this document here, which for those in OWS or Discord, I drop that in the reflection channel on a weekly basis before this podcast. You can check this out. You can follow along. You can read through my process, but you can also download a copy of this document for yourself. It's not fun, exciting, or sexy to go through this process, but it is incredibly, incredibly beneficial for anybody who's serious about being a better DFS player. So with that, the I've got a bunch of questions here, and the one of the last ones I ask is, what are my takeaways from this week? So I'm actually going to start here and then circle us back to how I'm going to implement insights around these going forward. So what were my takeaways from this week? Think for yourself and make your own bets. Understand why you're making them. Once you've done that, accept it and let it go. Two. Just because you bet on something doesn't mean you think it will happen. This is something that JM talks about quite a bit, uh, but wanted to continue that conversation because it's really, really important to understand that. And then third, you don't need to be that different in small field tourneys, less than 200 entries. With that, I am a small field tourney player in that I am in a bankroll building phase that is my focus that is my goal at this point 
always talk about goals here. Know what you're trying to do over the course of the season in the context of your DFS career and your life so that you know how to attack a slate on a given week. In my past, I have, you know, one of the things I really pinpointed last year that I wasn't doing well was choosing contests. I was too much chasing a uh, a bigger payout and just playing in too large a fields to be really, really plus EV for bankroll building. If you know you're a sharp player or feel that you're pretty sharp, which most of you here at OWS are, then playing small field tourneys is really the way to go to build bankroll. Now that we've kind of outlined the high-level things, let's get into what my main slate lineup looked like. This lineup was Taylor Heineke, James Robinson, Darrell Henderson Jr., Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tyler Higby, Antonio Gibson and Flex, and Saints defense. All right, so you'll notice some things right off the bat here. I built around the Washington and Denver game. For those of you here at OWS, you'll have heard JM talk quite a bit about this game at the end of the week and that he was... Uh, willing to bet on this as it had a better chance than the field would expect in producing good DFS scores. I really liked that take of his. It was something that I had kind of already had in the back of my mind early in the week. And so once I heard him talking about it, I was it was kind of all I needed to go in on that. So that stack there was Heineke and McLaurin and Gibson from the Washington side, which I'll get into things I liked about that, things I didn't like about that, and bringing it back with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. So really heavy on this game environment. Thought that these teams are, you know, just defenses that have really kind of disappointed this year. Both capable offenses, both kind of in a slump. Figured these are teams that were going to want to get out of this slump and therefore could see some fireworks. Uh, Ron Rivera, as Washington's coach, is aggressive. Figured he might try to get these guys going, but it did not turn out that way. And before I get to some of the other spots here, just to assess this part of my process. One of the questions I have, the, the first things that I go over is, was my process sound? And what was the result of process first variance? So this <laughs> answering this, was my process sound this week? My, my initial answer there was, eh. This is where assessing process is really tricky because there is not a right or wrong, like clear answer. And so what I wrote and thought about after that was like, was it sound to bet on the Washington Denver game like this? Maybe, you know, it's hard to say yes or no, because as I mentioned, JM talked about why it was a good bet. It will hit the, you know, greater than expectation more often than people will expect. And so in that perspective, yes, it is a good bet. But on the flip side, these are also two bad teams playing very poorly currently, which kind of makes it feel like not a good bet. With this, my, my takeaway was essentially that we should be wary of betting on bad teams. This doesn't necessarily mean that we were right or wrong, but we just need to know what we're betting on. So it's is not I, I never set or I always try to avoid setting black and white uh, rules for myself. So I'm not saying don't bet on bad teams or teams playing poorly, but I am saying be wary of that and be very intentional about when I am choosing to do so. So that was my stack there. The biggest mistake within that for me was Antonio Gibson. I mean, just 
getting too cute. You know, I had seen um, Majestic had posted something about how they're losing some guys in the middle and how that would uh, affect their ability to uh, stop the run. And I like that take. You know, I think people had kind of overrated how much the injury was affecting Gibson. But apparently I was dead wrong there. Uh, Jarrett Patterson got, I think it was like just about as many touches as he did. And really when it comes down to it, like that's a type of play that, yeah, sure, you can make in the millie. You can make in a field with tens of thousands of plays or sorry, of entries. Not something you need to do in a small field. So that for me was kind of the most glaring uh, thing I did wrong here that i didn't like like i said i i was pretty much okay with the the heineke and mclaurin bringing it back with sutton and judy i i was really high on sutton and judy this week because of their matchup with the poor washington secondary i was just i mean incredibly bullish on jerry judy coming back and having his price be at 4900 in this spot um, there was essentially nothing that was going to get me off of him. Like I was going to play him as a one-off at that price. Um, and then, yeah, paired him with Sutton just because of the the stack I played, but also because I thought that those two guys just offered a really, really safe uh, volume and then uh, floor and ceiling. So did not play out, but I'm okay with those guys. Uh, even McLaurin for me was kind of a stretch once I I got kind of stubborn about playing this game stack. That was, you know, just kind of like the natural thing I was stuck on. Always a good play just because of the volume he sees. And at 4%, you know, considering that and what his ceiling is on a slate that was pretty weird and uncertain. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But at the same time, it wasn't something that I had really thought about early in the week and a place where I was starting my my player pool and my builds. And so in that regard, kind of a eh play for me. Before I jump into the other pieces of my roster, because that's what I'm going to talk about here is going to be directly pertinent to that, which is so zooming back out for a second, week eight was just shaping up as a weird week. We knew this from the start of the week. It was just uh, really kind of strange in terms of not having some heavy hitting quarterbacks and offenses on the main slate. And so really, certainty was going to be hard to come by. And so for me, that was one of the things early in the week when I did kind of like my first look at games I realized that and I wrote this down like that's how I wanted to approach my play this week was looking at spots where we did have certainty and then building out from there, considering game environments and upside and things like that. And, you know, the the, the clearest two spots on the slate were uh, the Rams at the Texans. Just, you know, an absolute smash spot for them. Almost any way you cut it, they were just not going to fail. Something that we can very rarely say in the NFL, uh, but it really just there was almost no way they were going to fail here. Uh, The Bills against Miami were in a similar spot. We saw that that wasn't quite the case. They did kind of uh, end up turning it around and pulling it out in the second half, but wasn't quite the the blowout we might have expected. So those were the two certainties for me were the Rams and the Bills. And then kind of the secondary was the Colts Titans game environment. So with that, zooming back in a little bit here, the running backs I played were James Robinson and Darrell Henderson Jr. I really liked both of these guys for their roles. Uh, I did think, you know, I think it was Hilo that mentioned this. uh, The running backs were appropriately priced on this slate. So you weren't getting any clear values or anything like that. Uh, I liked both of these guys as I like to look for running backs that have a 
a large workload, get a good opportunity, have some passing game usage, have a goal line or green zone role. And if they're in a good matchup, even better. Both of these guys fit the, that bill. And so with that, I felt pretty good about pulling the trigger on both. I knew that both would be relatively high owned, but running back isn't a spot where uh, I really want to worry about that too much. Clearly, I went off the board with my game stack. So going off the board at running back just wasn't necessary. Again, another reason why playing Antonio Gibson was just kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, so. I wrote, I think it was in one of the other things I had done. Oh, my. By the way, if you're in OWS in the community and have access to the the shared drive, uh, I brought back a, a document that I had been writing up on Saturdays last week, which is called uh, Saturday Sharpening. And the whole idea behind that is, again, kind of a set of questions to walk myself through my thoughts while I'm building and constructing rosters to help clarify. Once we get to that point in the week, we've usually sat with a lot of data, have a lot going on in our heads, maybe have even built some initial rosters by that point. And it can be very easy to end Saturday feeling kind of overwhelmed and with a lot of FOMO. So I created this Saturday sharpening document um, with the idea, the, the the goal of clarifying, trying to cut through the noise and figure out what you like best for, for your style of play, the types of tournaments you're entering um, or cash games and really figuring that out. So side note that that is is up and in there. Uh, I haven't because I had a handful of people asking me if I was still doing it. I have not done a good job of making that part of my process this year, but I'm wanting to get back to that to uh, really help. It's basically, you know, this assessment here is like the back end and that document is kind of like the front end in terms of being really clear on your process. So trying to get back into the swing of that and that's in the shared drive. But I had written in there that I wanted Rams and Bills on my roster. And I also wrote that Darrell Henderson was just my favorite exposure to that. Uh, just, you know, he doesn't have the best role in the world, but he does see some passes. He actually scored a receiving touchdown. Uh, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, just cake matchup. And with, you know, one of the highest team totals just felt too, too easy to ignore and click quickly want to mention here, too. And this is a, kind of a, a theme of this pod today is thinking for yourself and making your own bets. And I'm mentioning that with Terrell Henderson because uh, reading high lows um, column in the scroll he had you know he talked about how henderson's role isn't the the greatest and for me that almost got me off henderson and i want to be very clear with something here and i'll mention a couple other examples of this today um this is not to say that hilo was incorrect in his thinking what this is to say is that for me and the way that i build hilo likes identifying those places and creating leverage around them. For me and my style of play, I was going to run with that certainty. Point being, I really respect Hilo. I really respect JM. I really respect Majestic, who I mentioned with the Antonio Gibson thing had kind of that had shifted me to get onto Antonio Gibson. Just because you respect these incredibly bright individuals here at OWS, or even if you're getting content from outside of the site, it's important to think for yourself. JM talks about this a lot too. You, you probably know more than you think, especially here at OWS. Because of all the tools that OWS gives you, and they aren't just giving you picks, you have a, a really, really great ability to think for yourself. And so 
for me, I was just noticing within this roster, there was a lot of pieces of other people's thoughts and or, or potentially other people's thoughts. So just wanted to mention that. And again, it's all about knowing your style. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's just knowing yourself and the type of plays that you want to make. So coming back to the Henderson play, that's what I really liked in this spot, was willing to differentiate elsewhere. And then with James Robinson, uh, yeah, I mean, just just set up in a good spot. And I didn't really feel great about any other plays on the slate uh, at running back, at least not really confident about role and everything like that. So that's where I went there. Kind of ran bad with him getting injured. Uh, he had four carries for 22 yards. So you know, over a five yard average there. I think he, he had a catch too. So the usage was was there. And yeah, don't hate that play. The last two pieces I haven't hit on yet are Tyler Higby and Saints D. Tyler Higby, uh, this was actually uh, a play that Hilo had mentioned too in his column. Uh, I liked this because I thought this was a nice way to potentially get more touchdowns. Hilo had um, reported on his strong role in the offense. He just hasn't really been producing. People were talking about him earlier in the year and are off him now. And yeah, you know, Cooper Cup is obviously a solid play here because he's just going to continue to be. But I didn't want to pay up for him. And so I was going with Higby, hoping that maybe I luck into a touchdown or two. To me, that play was eh, because I really liked Dan Arnold uh, early in the week. And then JM kind of, you know, mentioned, kind of reaffirmed all the things that I had liked about him. And so, you know, at at 2.8K, you just take that guy who's going to get five to eight targets and has like a legit upside role uh, and don't overthink it and differentiate elsewhere. Um, so especially, especially for cash or small field tourneys, like it's just... It's just not worth it. Um, if you're if I were playing in a little bit larger field tourneys, I maybe would have tried to differentiate. Obviously, you had uh, Pat Fryermuth as well, who was a, a solid play. I actually really liked Hawkinson as a leverage play. I thought he was one of the best leverage plays on the slate once uh, Jamal Williams was ruled out and people were already high on deandre swift and we're only going to jam him in or lock him in even more thought hawkinson who is you know kind of the 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 one b there in terms of volume and offensive production was a a super sharp move so that would have been where i would have wanted to go and and did in like one roster um and then the Saints defense, I, I just love this play. <laughs> I kind of joked in here, this is my favorite play of my entire roster. Um, just in that, I thought it was really solid. JM and kind of mentioned towards the end of the week that the Saints have um, just kind of always played Brady well. They were at home. And they also provided kind of a nice leverage situation. Not a true, true, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good leverage play in terms of like people were going to be on the offenses in this game. And so therefore not looking at the defense is especially the Saints defense. And then to kind of like put the cherry on top of that, they were a pay down defense. So I felt really good about that play specifically because I wasn't betting on pieces from that game on this roster. Which, to come back to one of the high-level things I'd mentioned, doesn't mean that I didn't think those things were going to happen. It just meant that on this roster, that's what I was betting on. All right, that is my lineup. I want to hit on a couple of these other things that we talked about here. And then if you are hanging out in Discord here, I'll open it up in just a few minutes to... Uh, the chat. Uh, one of my questions I have in here is what didn't I do well? 
And I joked that I didn't do well with putting guys in my lineup who scored double digit points. <laughs> I had one, two, three, four, five, six, six players with a snowflake that scored less than 10 points. Just absolutely brutal. Uh, Hilo had made a joke. Uh, Roto Maven tweeted for one week season asking what what we learned this week and Hilo's response was that you could, it was possible to score 85 points. Uh, <laughs> I, I was already impressed at my 90 points on this roster. Good for 91st out of 100 people. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty solid there. A full, almost 50 points below the cash line. Now, the other thing, you know, jokes aside here, the one thing that I did like about this roster build as a whole from a high level is that I bet on one game environment, which, as we talked about, clearly failed. Was a risky bet of sorts, but I bet on one game environment and then just a couple other one off pieces that I thought were really solid. This is a viable build. It doesn't matter if you're getting it right or you're wrong. It does matter that it's a sharp build still. But what matters is that if that game environment is right and those other kind of uh, either high certainty or high upside pieces end up being right as well, those few things that I bet on on this roster are now right instead of betting on six, seven, eight, nine different things. So I did like that about the build. Oh, what else did I mention here? It's kind of running through my play-by-play or my um, spot-by-spot. One of the things that I mentioned here with this kind of uh, game environment of Washington and Denver that nobody was really going to be focusing on for exactly the reason that we saw play out was I, I used the word infatuated and... I also used the words too cute and sneaky throughout this document. And this is something that I'm noticing to be a downfall of mine this year. I talked about this with somebody in, uh, I think it was the reflection thread this week. Maybe it was even the DMs um, or in messages. But what happens Generally, what I see when when you start to understand DFS fundamentally, and I'm speaking specifically to tournament players here with this, when you start to understand DFS fundamentally and you start to understand the strategy of playing tournaments and you've gotten a really good handle on building plus EV rosters, what I see happen and has absolutely happened for myself is the pendulum swings a little bit to almost going too far in a sense, like just getting too cute with it. And that's something that I think is really, really important to consider once you start to feel like your play is pretty sharp is noticing when you're not doing well or when you're having some down weeks just asking yourself, because this is one of the things my takeaways from this week is actually intentionally and specifically asking myself after I've built rosters on Saturday, am I getting too cute here? Am I trying to be too sneaky? And again, a lot of this is for small field play. This changes a bit once we get into large field where you do need to embrace even more variance and you do need to get a little bit cute or a little bit sneaky. Um, but I wanted to mention that. And then just back to the infatuation word that I used, I was really interested. And by the way, this is why it's so important to assess your process through writing or or like literally talking out loud. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's highly effective uh, because you will use certain words or say certain things that actually catch your attention. And so for me, when I wrote my infatuation with being sneaky, the word infatuation stuck out to me. I was infatuated, meaning I had 
I saw this thing, I really liked it, and I got stuck on that. I didn't allow myself to consider other things. It <clears throat> doesn't really matter what I would have ended up on. The problem here where in my process and the, the thing that I'm identifying as poor play from a process standpoint is I didn't experiment with other game environments. I didn't experiment with other matchups uh, or spots or roster constructions or cores. I got stuck on these guys and I just kind of stubbornly built around that without thinking outside of it. I did a similar thing actually on the primetime slate, which I felt way better with. I built around Mahomes, Tyreek and Travis Kelsey just because thought, you know, they were just like by far the, the three highest upside guys on the slate, which was, um, you know, between those two games with the Cowboys and the Vikings and, uh, you know, the Giants on the other side of the, the Chiefs game. I just thought that going all in on those guys made a lot of sense. And it did, if, even though the, the process didn't play out, the outcome didn't um, end up that way. There, there was a reason that I got stuck on that and I was more OK with that. But and again, JM talks about this, too, and building a lot of rosters. Build around the spots that you like, but then build more, <laughs> continue to build and yeah, just kind of identifying it out loud for myself and something I pretty much always come back to with my process is it's always a little bit of a red, red flag if I'm not building a ton of rosters or if I'm not experimenting with a lot of rosters by Sunday morning. Uh, let's see what else. There is something else I wanted to mention. Let's see here. Scrolling down to my notes. Um, all right, that's escaping me currently. Uh, just other high level thoughts on this roster similar like kind of in that same vein you know playing taylor heineke quarterback and, and kind of going in on that game while i don't think it was necessarily a bad bet again it kind of falls in that court category of just getting too cute you know you got quarterbacks on this slate like Allen, brady and stafford and so you know these guys aren't kind of the the names that like really pop off the page or that we're really used to being these high ceiling guys and nobody was super high ceiling this week. Um, but in this week that I had mentioned, I wanted to focus on high certainty and high confidence plays to build my roster around that. Any of those guys would have been the kind of more logical choice or way to go. Again, Stafford here um, paired with Darrell Henderson, I think was a really strong play for small fields. Uh, I've been saying that for the past couple of weeks now, and I've literally done it zero of the past three weeks when, when I've talked about it and said it was sharp and strong. Uh, so, yep, this goes to show that uh, <laughs> we can still make mistakes even when we are um identifying something but yeah st that you know just wasn't like a super high ceiling combo i didn't think because i just didn't see the texans putting up any type of fight there but just a a huge huge block of certainty you know you're getting touchdowns out of stafford and henderson so thought that was pretty solid uh yeah i think that kind of does it for my roster the only other thing i mentioned you know kind of again the antonio gibson thing i hate going back to this because it just like so painful in hindsight um but like with michael carter at 4900 eli mitchell at 5400 and khalil herbert at 5400 even though his outcome didn't uh didn't end up nice all three of those guys you know, if I'm going to that kind of uh, like price range, wanting to play a, a running back in the flex, which I do think is viable in small attorneys, small field, um, all three of those guys better plays. So that is it for my roster. Uh, 
to quickly touch on a couple other things here. I know I'm kind of running long here. I will open it up here for questions in just a few, but I do want to get to these last kind of high level points based on things that I know people had questions about because I saw it in chat or I was asked directly uh, in personal messages. But the the Calvin Ridley news and the DeAndre Swift news um, or Jamal Williams, whichever way you want to put it. What was the the way to play that uh, with Ridley? I think if that was affecting your play, that speaks more to the way that you were looking at the slate. Um, yes, the Falcons have a uh, a condensed offense in terms of like Ridley and Pitts are going to get most of those looks are going to get good looks every game, but you're still going to have Patterson and Mike Davis mixed in there. Um, you're you're betting on a game environment that is going to play really slow. And similarly to Washington, Denver could have um, broke out for a little bit more high scoring because they have capable offenses, but um, Carolina is just making things so sluggish right now. So I don't think that was nearly as impactful for most people. But the Swift news was obviously a big deal. Um, you know, if you liked him already, I think that was just kind of a um, something that kind of just locked usage in and you keep him in. I think the more interesting thing to talk about conversation point is if you weren't on him or at least having him you know i think he was a good play regardless just from a process standpoint um because of his role and things like that and the player that he is but if you weren't on him and got pushed into him that i think is interesting to ask why um because that then becomes a little bit more of a FOMO play because his role wasn't really going to change just because of like how they like to use him. It's not like he was all of a sudden going to see, you know, seven, eight, nine more carries and three more targets or anything like that. Like his role just wasn't going to substantially change. So that's important to consider there. Uh, one of the things that I actually liked with that situation is. Um, it actually I was kind of on the fence with him, didn't love him, obviously saw where he was viable, uh, just personally didn't like him a lot. And for me, that actually pushed me off of him because I knew that that was only going to increase his ownership. And so for me, I would happily um, take one of those other plays like Henderson or or James Robinson and just go ahead and roll with him. And or if I was playing in larger fields, like I mentioned with the Hawkinson play, I think that was a really sharp leverage play in that spot, which did, in fact, uh, work out if for anybody that went there. Those were the two specific things for week eight news. But the more general thing that I kind of want to finish on here, at least for my portion, is. The. The emotional piece of this process, the understanding whether my process sucks and if I should change it, because I've had a couple conversations uh, both in threads and in personal messages about this, where essentially I'm not doing well, things aren't going well, I think I'm pretty sharp, but I'm just like not having great outcomes recently. I very much fall in this boat. Uh, I've never in my six years of playing DFS, I've never had this poor of a streak where it's literally been half a season now and I've only had one winning week and not not nearly big enough to make up for all these losing weeks. Fortunately, I've been doing this long enough to know that I am a sharp player while because I'm human, I do make mistakes. Absolutely. As we talk about and you guys get to uh, see every week. <laughs> um, 
it can be really, really frustrating to be in this place. And I had specifically a couple conversations that were like, when do I just burn it all down and and try to like start this thing from scratch? And my response to that was if you've had success in the past and if you do have some inkling and belief that you are at least pretty sharp, then I don't believe that you should ever truly burn it down. I do think that this allows for the opportunity to make changes, to get curious about where things could be better for you to identify the pieces of your process that are foundational and then also identify the pieces that are maybe additive or maybe could change a little bit the you know the nfl changes year to year dfs changes year to year your style of play will change year to year so yes it is possible that pieces of your process may change but usually if you've been doing this for two, three or more years, there's a good chance and, and you've had some, um, you know, you've seen some evidence of success. Chances are that your process isn't garbage. You don't suck as a DFS player. And again, just to be like very transparent about that, I've needed that this year. If I didn't have a couple of years of some success to lean on and some evidence some markers of feeling like i am pretty sharp i would be in a bad place right now uh, because it's been absolutely brutal to have this kind of year just week after week having outcomes that are not what i expected not what i want to see and so what I offered in these conversations and what I am doing for myself is looking at this change of process a little bit more as a reinvention as opposed to a burn it down, <laughs> a complete uh, wiping the slate. And so like many things in life, when we aren't doing well at something, we tend to feel that we need to work harder. In this case, because I believe, and I think we talk about quite a bit here at OWS, is that DFS is kind of like half art or part art, part science to not put any particular percentage on it. And with something that is an art form, you more pressure doesn't help. Creating a little bit of space allowing a little bit of room for uh, imagination, for creativity, trying to get back to why you play DFS. For a lot of us here, I know that it is to make money. We genuinely want to do this to make a profit. But most of us are also in it to have fun. And that's exactly what I'm here for. That's exactly what most of the people that I talk to about this are in DFS for. And so maybe taking a week or two to just change up your play a little bit, uh, lessen the amount that you're putting in on a weekly basis. You know, we're, we're human. We're still putting money on this. Even if you're being intelligent and disciplined and responsible with the amount that you're putting in relative to your bankroll on a weekly basis, we're still human in that wins and losses affect us in some way. And so I've found that, you know, just scaling back play, it's, it's not saying like take a week off and, and maybe that's what you need. Maybe if you're really struggling, that's what you need. And who knows, maybe if I lose a couple more weeks, then I'll, I'll be doing that here. But um, I think it's usually you don't usually need to take time off, but Instead, changing up the A, the amount of money you're putting in. So as I was mentioning, doesn't mean you don't have to play. Play other tourneys, play, you know, the the uh, dollar entry, play the $3 entry, play the $5 entry. 
just mess around with that. You can still play with rosters then, but then there's not this inherent pressure of the, you know, I'm putting my full bankroll on this roster this week or whatever that is for you. The other thing that I've been trying to do, and I mentioned it at the top, is just shake up the the slates and stuff that you're playing on. Play, if anything, play more slates. <laughs> play, you know, play showdown, play short slates. Who gives a shit about what that actually means for your your bankroll or the style of play that you normally have again don't throw a bunch of money on these necessarily um, but do this to stimulate your creativity you're still thinking about football you're still thinking about roster creation and and construction but you're not doing it with this inherent pressure of okay well i'm throwing this 50 bucks in on this lineup again this week and i'm doing it in this contest it's just shaking things up and it's keeping the pressure off it's allowing space for uh reimagining things and that's that can be quite powerful so that's what i would offer on this and then also um just in general with dfs uh smart plays in you know shout out to him um because i had seen something he wrote in the reflection thread just really really sharp in terms of uh betting mindset emotional process uh just noticing where this might be affecting you and um just kind of remembering why you do this it is just a game it is for fun that said it can have very real effects on our mental emotional capacities i know it's something that i've struggled with and always try to give myself some perspective and if that's happening um usually not a good sign so wanted to hit on all that 50 minutes we're record time here with me and me talking and not bringing people up to the stage uh i should be able to hang out for a couple extra minutes in case we go over here but i am going to wrap up my piece here and go ahead and invite anybody who would like to hang ask questions comments whatever to the stage and yeah thanks guys for those of you hanging out live and listening to me as i go a little longer than usual here just go ahead and feel free to raise your hand if you want to come on up also i can check the reflection thread if any of you have questions you can dump it in there if you don't feel comfortable coming up on stage Oop, back here. Sorry, here we go. All right. Forte is coming up. Hello. Can you hear me? Hey, hey Jack, can you hear me? This uh, Q&A. I cannot hear you. You're um, unmuted. You I can't hear you. Make sure. Yeah, it looks like you're interesting. It's like sharing your or showing that you're talking, but I cannot hear anything. That is odd. Mm. Not sure. Do you have uh, you on your phone, your desktop? You have headphones in. can't How about hear now? anything and i don't know if anybody hanging out here live can drop something in the you can hear him beamer oh shit okay hold on one second here interesting See if this works. All right. Go ahead now, Forte, see if I can hear you. Hey, can you hear me now? Nothing. Oh, weird. What the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. I'm not sure what's going on here because I can't hear, but it appears that you guys can. Tried switching to a different set of speakers here. I'm on my desktop. Um, if you want, Forte, go ahead and if it's a short enough question, go ahead and drop it in the reflection. Really sorry about this. Uh, all right. No posted. Monster game from Jets quarterback and running back. Oh, man. Yeah. Kind of kind of ridiculous there. I mean, this uh, what better encapsulates the the week eight slate than Mike White putting up the, you know, the essentially the highest quarterback score tied with Tom Brady. He, he was off by point one. And then, uh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes being outscored by Cooper Rush on the primetime slate. Just <laughs> kind of kind of insane. Um, yeah, I mean, huge props to JM for being all over Michael Carter. Super, super sharp there. Uh, unfortunately, I I did not heed that. <laughs> I I wasn't ready to fully accept it which is funny because uh, a few weeks ago i had noted kind of like in that first game before people were really talking about him i noted that uh michael carter had gotten the lion's share of the touches they were just you know he didn't do anything because they were playing somebody difficult um but yeah absolutely sharp call by jm there and you were in a you were in a really good spot if you played him I mean, for for me personally, Mike White and Cooper Rush, I uh, just complete. I like <laughs> I just I have no words um, for how that was even possible for Mike White to do that uh, against like what has been a a very respectable Bengals defense this year. Maybe they were just kind of, you know, mentally passing the Jets up or something like that. Uh, and then, like I said, I played the primetime slate and I've basically faded the whole um, passing game from from the Cowboys. I ended up playing uh, Zeke and Pollard on my lineup because I thought that they were going to run it like 35 times. So, yeah, I mean, just crazy. I think the, the Michael Carter was sharp. I think that was a really strong process. I think the the quarterback play there is just uh you know, you were <laughs> Socrates if you if you saw that coming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like the the verbiage that Forte uses here. Cherries on top of the fuckery that was week eight in Halloween. Uh, yes, absolutely. Just just ridiculous. Uh, all right. Well, it appears. Like I said, if any of you other peeps in here want to throw a question in reflection thread, go for it. Oh, Forte just posted something else. Um, yeah, sorry, I can't hear. I've never had that issue before. I'm not really sure why that's happening. Um, Forte's other question here is, how do you feel about going back to Manuel Sanders in another fantastic matchup? I love it. <laughs> Um, you know, this is one of one of my takeaways that I didn't mention here necessarily from reviewing my own roster, but just from a high level standpoint this week was how quickly the and, you know, the OWS has always talked about this, but how quickly people in, you know, the field, but also even people in the industry react on a week-to-week basis with performances news that is coming out it is always just um, much more abrupt than it needs to be and yeah i mean emmanuel sanders role is not changing in this offense he has a high upside role in this offense and an offense that wants to pass the ball and is good at passing the ball so i'm always about the guys who um disappointed and then you know if it if the i'm never going to force them in but if it sets up then i'm always excited to be on them the next week so yep like that a lot and yeah just another to 
come back to the importance of thinking for yourself and going through games on your own before you dig into anything. Uh, this really helps you kind of individuate yourself as a player and not need to like obviously leaning on OWS and these guys is incredibly helpful, but to continue to build your own um, play within yourself. Always recommend early week notes, as I kind of mentioned here, being on the the bills and the Rams are two things that I wanted to do and then focusing on the Titans Colts game environment. And you'll notice that I didn't do two of those three things. So, uh, yeah, always coming back to those early week notes or even that Saturday sharpening that I mentioned, even if you're not using mine, um, having some type of clarity for yourself on a Saturday in terms of where you want to go, always should be getting um, more specific and and narrower instead of broader and having FOMO. All right, guys, we are officially at an hour here again. Apologies for um, if there was anybody else that wanted to try to ask a question, go ahead and come on up. Maybe it was somehow um, just Forte's connection even though others of you could hear him. Um, but otherwise, I think we'll we'll call it a day here. Anybody, anybody, last call. Either try it up on stage or drop it in the reflection thread. Forte's typing, so I'll just wait a second to see if he's got something else for us. All right, guys, the only other thing I had here in my notes was kind of like I had mentioned, I had, uh, you know, I'd taken something from Majestic. I had taken something from JM in the Washington and Denver game. Uh, and while I liked that already myself, that just kind of reaffirmed it for me. I wasn't taking that out of nowhere, but it wasn't originally on my list of plays. And then something uh, that Hilo said as well. It is not about not trusting these guys, um, but it is about being able to trust yourself, being able to discern where you want to make decisions and want to commit to uh, the things that you have identified as good places and good plays and not allowing the, the the voices of these people that you really respect to sway any and all of those things for you is an incredibly important, uh, but also incredibly difficult process, something that I've gotten much better at uh, in terms of like thinking for myself but is still something that is very difficult to do. So I just wanted to uh, hit on that one last time. Uh, Forte's final question was anything particular we should look out for week nine in your view? Great question. Looking forwards. Um, I have not looked at the slate at all to this point yet, but the, the one thing I would say just as a general thing is kind of like what I just said, just, understand that especially at this point in the season where we're, we're past the early part of the year um, now people are just going to start reacting week to week and so if you can identify places that you like players that you like game environments that you like that the the field is kind of basing their thoughts on that on their performance last week or the week before then hammer that really or at least be at least strongly considerate um, because that's going to be an edge um, pretty much from now through the rest of the year is recency bias is going to be really strong because now we're not um, basing anything off of off-season research or anything now it's just purely week to week and people are going to struggle to see outside of that so something i will be doing and yeah, again, like I said, feel free to change up your process if things aren't working, but also don't necessarily 
just burn it all down. Don't go away from things that have worked for you in the past. Uh, in my view, for the type of player that I am, this year has just been crazy so far and hasn't really lended itself to me doing really well. Even if I was on different plays this week, I wasn't going to win attorney just based on my play style. Um, so know that this week has or this year has been a little crazy for everybody. This week was absolutely crazy. And so keep coming back to what you do best, but also have some fun. Get back to uh, the reason why you started playing DFS. Have some fun. Play different straight slates and try different things. And you'll get back to it eventually. All right, y'all. I am going to call it a day here. Thanks for hanging out. Apologies for some of the technical issues we had for those of you that are hanging out live. Otherwise, I am excited to see all of you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Feel free to hit me up in Discord, either in the channels or even personal messages. Love hearing from you guys. Any feedback for this segment is also welcome. Thanks so much. Talk to you guys soon. Be Fritz 12. <laughs>